Hello and welcome to the first agenda of 2023. I am your host, Christopher Gallagher. It's Monday, the 9th of January, 2023, and we are... Nine points clear. We're nine points clear. We're dominating life. Uh, the agenda is back. The cynic is back in full flow. Uh, I am Christopher Gallagher, as mentioned, and we are joined, as always, by Alan Edgar. Hello, Alan. How are you, friend? I'm good, mate. I'm good. We are very much back into the swing of it, um, back into the regular season of podcasts. So, no, it's, it's been a lovely holiday period, etc. but all good to hear. All good. Good to hear. Uh, Kieran Devlin, hello. How are you, my friend? I'm okay. Uh, a little under the weather. I can't. One of those uh, sixteen thousand colds that are going around at the moment. Um, so, yeah. Um, but apart from that, I'm good. Had a nice, a nice weekend. It is a nice day in Edinburgh. I'm looking forward to the post agenda walk, which will be good. Um, rather because it has been fairly shit weather the last week or so. So, yeah. It's a, th- things are, are positive. Uh, and Celtic are winning football. Uh, so what 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 more could you want? What more could you want? Alan's got a wee question. Alan's put his hand up. On oh, you go. On you go. Post post agenda walk sounds very twenty twenty. So does it? It was a throwback. You know when we were allowed out for well, thirty minutes of exercise round the yard, walking a circle, no conversation. Have you seen yeah. the good days? The good old days. Have you seen that episode of the American Office when the guy uh, is new to the office and he was he was previously in prison and he talks about. Uh, like during prison they would get like uh, time to you know exercise and all that and then they could start comparing working in an office to prison <laughs> and they all get dead jealous of the fact that um yeah bit of fun uh it's good to see you both uh as i say first agenda of 2023 um it's good to see you both you don't say happy new year because we're past that period of time but um i hope you're you have a good 2023 um, how was your how was your um, break? How was your break, Alan? Nice, uh, full of festive fun, drinks, foods, all the best gear. Yep, all that, all those things. A wee bit too much time off. Um, it was very very difficult. I went back to work last week, Wednesday, I think, a couple of days after the Rangers game, and it was very difficult. It was it was like being retired and then being plucked back out of retirement. So, um. But no, it was really good. Enjoyed it. Had a couple of days away um, back in December. Good time off. Managed to catch up with loads of folk, plenty of pints. And yeah, all good. Loved it. Keating yourself, um, merry time had by all. Yeah, it was nice. I was I was working a fair bit uh, over it because my new company is American. And do you know, Americans do not, they don't enjoy PTO. They do not enjoy <laughs> annual leave. So I've had to... <laughs> I did work. I did work a fair bit over the holidays, but it was it was nice. Like I got to spend time with my mum and dad for like, you know, a, a, a run of a run of days rather than just we've seen them for a day, which was really nice and get to spend them good time with them, which was good and had a really nice New Year and everything. And yeah, it's been it's been nice. Um, some some January blues, but nothing too too devastating. Um, and you know, I feel like that the, the slump is over the worst of it, especially with it being nice and sunny today. And obviously, back doing the agenda again, it feels like some degree of happy normalcy has resumed. Excellent, good to hear it. Um, can I just say I am absolutely buzzing for Saturday, and I have been for the last couple of weeks. Like Saturday, is it five or five thirty kickoff? semi-final, Hamden, pints before, pints after, Celtic hopefully 
getting into a, a final. It's just like I the last obviously last year was the uh, St Johnston, I think it was, um, and you know um, we had some mate bowed and I think I think we met you for Alan for a pint as well, and we had pints and it was just like perfect. It was just that perfect mix of what supporting Celtics about and. I'm very excited about it, I'll be honest. Um, so, and we'll cover that this week, certainly. We've got the weekly coming up and um, we'll do a, a preview and stuff of the, the, the League Cup um, semi-final. So look out for that. Um, uh, first question of uh, 2023. It's a very important one. Is Hitati good enough for Celtic? Now, there's been a lot... No, no, nah, I've got... <laughs> That's... Come on, I'm not going to... We're not going to pile on. We're not going to pile on. I'm sure Christian will on the review later on. But we are not going to pile on. Um, the opening question is from uh, it's from Troy. Troy asks, um, "It's about our new uh, signing Awata." Uh, um, so here's what Troy had to say: Awata seems like a great addition, but where do you see him fitting in? DM allowing uh, McGregor to go forward. If so, who misses out? Or potentially covering defence. There's been some kind of reports that um, Awata has played at centre back and he's played at full back as well. Uh, and looking at how these reports are kind of have made, it's not necessarily clear whether he's played a long time at centre back and right back, or it was a sort of Hitati at full back sort of situation. But let's just focus on midfield, um, because he he played defensive midfield for for his club in Japan. What are you thinking, Alan? Um, great addition, Japanese young player of the year or player of the year. He's young. He speaks great English. It looks like uh, from from half time at Celtic Park. Um, where do you see him fitting in? Well, first of all, Jeremy Culloch doesn't think he speaks great English. I think that's the thing that came out from Celtic TV um, on Saturday. I think a few folk uh, read it, which I was at the game, mentioned that Jerry had a wee joke at his expense. Um, I thought his English was very good at the game. And it was just, um, it was really good to see. It's, I, I love when players come out at halftime. I just like to put that out there. I, there's nothing better than a new player getting waved in front of you. You don't care whether he's good, bad or otherwise at that point. He's just new. Exactly. Um, I think I was having a wee look at him this morning. It's the first time I've actually really kind of seen him play just from brief clips. And I think the thing that jumps out is he's very physical, very, very commanding. And I think when you, you know, you asked there to talk about our midfield, and I think there is an element, well, look, we've had this discussion plenty of times before, but there is a, a need there for someone who's technically gifted, who can play in the same style and the same way we want to, but can add maybe a little bit more presence in there. Um, so I think from our point of view, it would be ideal if he was able to blend quickly and have the same kind of impact early on as some of his, um, you know, some of his counterparts have. You know, Maeda, Hatate last year, Kyogo, the window in advance of that. If he was to come in and do that, I mean, it's going to be very, very difficult to you know, move Callum McGregor even over the next couple of months. But if he can provide proper competition in that area, that alone would be a start because we have zero competition for that number six slot. Um, and he does look good. He looks really exciting. You know, he looks like a player who is certainly on the way up. Um, so it is, it is a really exciting signing. When we signed Kobe Ashley in the window, we all thought this will be great. This is really positive. We've managed to hopefully pluck another exciting young talent. And then we go and do the exact same what, three weeks later. It's a, it's a really nice position to be in. Um, and we've had really good success in that market. And I think of the two that have come in this window so far, 
um, from Japan. I think Awata looks like the one that you really would fancy to get game time and get game time, you know, fairly soon. So I'm really excited to see he's in the country now. I'd imagine you'll see some training videos in the next couple of days. I think that will weigh heavily as to how quickly he makes a squad. Uh, Kieran, your thoughts? Yeah, I think quite similar. I do think the the centre-back thing is quite interesting because I was looking at and he basically spent the entire title running with uh, Marino's at centre-back. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, by all accounts, he, he, he did well there. Um, I I really don't want him to be there. Um, not because I don't think it'd be a success, but because he's um, he's five foot seven, and if the uh, Martinez stuff down south is anything to go by, the discourse about having a five foot seven centre back will be absolutely insufferable. <laughs> I can already picture the half an hour slot in sports scene and my my punching a wall in frustration by by the, these guys talking about it. So I think um, I'd prefer just for the, to avoid that conversation. And as Alan, but. Um, that's part of it, but it's also what Alan's saying is that you know, hopefully Kobayashi is that um, centre back who can be the more ball playing. Again, we're as question marks for now, but and, and Christ knows after the last couple of games we need a centre back who can pass the ball. Um, but uh, I do, th- I'm quite excited, and we've because we've talked about it so much. It does feel you know like the holy grail, the white whale that Angie's been searching for. This number six that can do the defensive work of what we consider like a traditional defensive midfielder. But as time and again has been proven by Abogard, McCarthy, Edigucci, even Moy to an extent, um, it's not just about having that physical presence. It needs to be able to, with your first or second touch, quickly move it on after winning the ball. I think, that, And it's just, you know, it's just become very clear that Ange will never settle for a guy who wins the ball and passes it sideways and takes a few touches they do need to do what McGregor does well often that a bit more so you know it, it, it looks exciting um, hopefully he is that player but I, I just you know we've been uh, scorned so many times before uh, I'm not getting overly excited about it but you know I'm tentatively really hopeful he can finally be that player that Ange wants and the player we want as well uh, Kevin McGoldrick uh, he asks uh, actually he makes three questions one's about uh, Juranovic but um, we'll get to that he asks do you guys think we will see Awata in the team sooner rather than later um I guess that's the kind of the, the golden question. That's the big one because ultimately Kobayashi has been on the bench since since he's been available, really. Um, Awata, sooner rather than later, Alan, it is kind of one where, you know, a lot. I, I can imagine Ange thinking, if it's not broke, don't fix it in regard to bring people in early. But good to get game time under his belt before next season so we can kind of hit it running. <laughs> Look, we're in the, I know we're just out of the season of goodwill here, Chris, but I think the expression, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, really probably doesn't work or doesn't apply here. Um, <laughs> Shut up, Alan. <laughs> um, and also look ahead to next season. Well, you know, still get a good five months of this season, still two cups and a league title to win. So uh, I, I would be I would be alarmed if you'd see very little of that over the next three, four weeks. Not alarmed, that's maybe, but Angie's history and his time at Celtic has shown that if he believes a player will feature, he features quickly. Um, and game time, you know, comes to him very, very quickly. Um, I think that might be different. You're in a different position 
from Iwata, as you were say, for Kyogo and Joe Hart, who were thrown in because A, they were obviously improvements, but B, they were necessary. Cal McGregor's doing a great job in that space. And whether he, you know, whether you were to move him or not, I think the important thing would be, is it Iwata now the first go-to, as in first substitute in that area? Because it would be fairly easy to unseat whoever, you know, either, you know, McCarthy, Abogar, but even then, McGregor doesn't come off. So it'll be interesting then, does McGregor maybe push forward or does he come off in 20 minutes? If you don't see him for three, four weeks, then the history would suggest that it's not going to be a signing that is a big game changer for the team. So, yeah, I would be keen to see them. We've obviously got a game against Green at Morton coming up, which I think a few players will be eyeing um, as an opportunity. Um, so I, I would hope to see them. I, I won't make any predictions as to when because that's just, I'd just be sticking my finger up there. But I would want to see him play some game time and I would want to see it this month because well, he is a talented player. And we have seen that players who you know, join in January, who've had good seasons um, in Japan, can make a significant impact. You don't necessarily see the best of them until the following season, which I think has been the case both with Hitati and Maeda, but they can make meaningful contributions. Um, and it's an area, I think, where we are one shot. So I, I would want to see him, I'd want to see him quickly. And the only, only other thing I maybe just say as well is with Kobayashi, the games that he's been available for, Rangers, um, I mean, he's not he's not going to figure there. I think at centre-half, it is a little bit different. So, yeah. you know, on that one, I would, I'm would i a little bit more patient, whereas Awata, um, I'd, be, I'd be keen to see him as early as possible. Play, play everyone. Give minutes to everyone against Green and Martin. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> um, yes, I mean, uh, Kieran, yourself, I mean, Alan kind of makes the point, and I think it's... Uh, a good one regarding to Kobayashi. He's going to find it a little bit tougher because Starfield and CCV and just made it clear that he doesn't like breaking up his centre half pairing. Um, so it will be tough for Kobayashi. It's not to say it'll be impossible, but you know, it'll be tough. Uh, Awata, you'd like to see sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, I think just because we talked about the mid- midfield rotation is a lot easier uh, to, to get in that role. There's not, it's not quite as high pressure. As it is when you're a centre back, you know if you make a even a, a small mistake at centre back, it could be costly and very high profile. Whereas in midfield, maybe there's a bit more um, leeway in in that regard. And because we we do rotate midfield a fair amount, whereas with as, as Alan saying with centre back, we tend to just stick with our two best centre backs permanently, <laughs> unless unless maybe you know. I think I'd I'd be quite even as Alan says we we only need to have patience with both players despite having high hopes for them. I I would be a little alarmed if neither got game time against Morton because um, you know it would suggest it could be a while before we see them. And being speaking personally, I found I, you guys covered it really well. But the thing I found most frustrating about the Rangers game was how bad our playing out from the back was. Like how catastrophically terrible it was, and we haven't. It did, you know. We haven't learned lessons, but we've known our biggest flaws for eighteen months. We hope that Kobayashi can help solve that. There's other play, uh, positions we need uh, signing in the summer, perhaps that can <laughs> help with that. Um, but at the moment, at the same, and I understand Ange doesn't like to break up his partnerships, and Starfelt is a very, very but I, I, in my opinion, he's a very solid 18-yard box defender and I thought I had a really good game against Kelly. But 
we need to fix our problems at some stage and you need to take some risks to fix those problems. And, you know, introduction of Kobayashi, offering that something different on the ball could be a solution, especially if, you know, we end up playing them in the League Cup final. Um, if we do get, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed we get past Kelly and if they get past St. Johnston, there could be a couple of really, really important games against them in the next couple of months. And But you do want Kobayashi to to have played a decent amount of football by then if he is going to be our solution because they're going to they're going to play the exact same way against us every time because they know we are bad at play that triangle is terrible at playing out from the back so it's just it's just, we need some way to address that and you know hopefully Kobe actually can be that but he needs time to learn the system maybe make some early mistakes so by the time he's, he's properly up to speed by the time we play Rangers uh, yeah great we've got look, look, the questions we've received uh, have been fantastic it's a great start to 2023 thanks to everyone who emailed or whatsapped um, tra- we're going to try and get through all of them but they've all been really really high quality so uh, superb stuff um I just want to make the point that Kevin uh, Kevin McGoldrick also finishes by saying, I was also listening to some old Chronicle episodes and one ended with a discussion on VAR and you got it spot on that it would be a farce. Glad to you, glad to have you back. Cheers. Thank you, Kevin. An absolute delight, sir. Um, Cynic Agenda for the week. Uh, you're listening to the agenda. As always, recording on Monday, dropping around 1pm uh, every Monday afternoon. Tomorrow, Tuesday, we have the review. Graham and Christian will go over some of the games, the recent games, and uh, look ahead to some stuff as well. Wednesday, we've got the Celtic Women's Football Show. There's lots to talk about on Wednesday. Lorenzo and Claire will uh, dig through it, and uh, you'll get some great points and opinions from them. Thursday, we get the Cynic Weekly. As always, uh, Chris Armani and uh, Alan Ed Edgar will look ahead to the big League Cup semi uh, on Saturday and uh, can't wait for that. Friday we've got the weekend update. Uh, again, we'll look ahead to the um, the semi-final as well, but we'll also kind of uh, do some uh, preview stuff on that as well. Saturday we'll have the reaction to the League Cup semi straight after the game. And on Sunday we've got a new episode of Faithful Through and Through, uh, looking at Celtic sports clubs from around the world. So it should be a great week on the Cynic. Um, I think one of the big kind of news points that we've all kind of been looking at over the last couple of days is Juranovic. We've got a number of questions about about that, but I'm just going to read some quotes, uh, some points about Juranovic. So the report, I think it's Stephen McGowan in the Daily Daily Mail who's got quite a kind of in with whether he does, still does, but when he reports something, it's usually a lot of truth to it. Um, He's quoted that uh, Joseph Juranovic is close to joining Italian club Monza in a £7 million move. Uh, Monza is owned by uh, Silvio Berlusconi. They want to sign the Croatian international on loan with a deferred £7 million fee agreed for the summer. The right-back's representative held talk in Milan at the end of last week and Monza chief Adriano Galliani is keen to cut a deal um, in the current window. It's really disappointing. Um... Let's, Kieran, your, your your thoughts on it, and you know your thoughts on the whole affair. Um, yeah, it's been yeah quite underwhelming. <laughs> I know, like Christian and Stephen, make very valid points about fullbacks' age. They their their decline arrives sooner than most other positions of the pitch, which factors into their um, you know the basically their the sort of market that you'd, they'd be worth. Um, and you know with them. He's, he is in his peak years, playing in Scotland, etc. And you, we can't overstate how much a good World Cup impacts um, that. At the same time, it, 
it does feel a little disappointing. And honestly, I would much rather keep Juranovic for the next six months than sell him in for seven million in the summer. And um, we'll come on to Johnston in a bit, but there's, I think there's quite a lot of question marks over him still. Um, and you know, Juranovic, he he had a bad game against Rangers, um, but we know his qualities. Um, I don't know. I, it's just very underwhelming given what you know what we were hoping for the you know, the types of uh, fees that some fullbacks go for as well. It's, the, entire, the entire saga is just a bit disappointing. You know, it's also the thing that I just feel it fits into a pattern of us undervaluing our fullbacks who aren't named Caden Tierney. Like it was the same. Like after Man City got their cut, we effectively let Frimpong go for twenty for for seven million, which was an absolute farce. Um, it, and you know it's the same thing where you know we're very reluctant to spend more than three million on a fullback, despite them. I feel like the club institutionally doesn't <laughs> quite recognise how important they are to the modern game, and especially how important they are to Andrew's system. Which you know c- coming onto the Kelly game soon, if there was ever an advert for having good technical fullbacks, the Kelly game of the weekend was <laughs> was that. Um, so I I just yeah, it's, it's very underwhelming and a a little dispirited by the whole saga. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll let him speak. But I just the entire thing leaves me a bit, uh, yeah, apathetic. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Keenan. <laughs> um, I, I just want to read this out. Got a message before we bring Alan in. Uh, got a message from Jenny. She WhatsApped. Uh, Morning agenda panel. First time I've ever messaged in. I sure I, I'm. I'm sure I won't be the only one wanting the guy's opinions on Euro. Um, surely a 7 million transfer to Monza is bad business for Celtic not only is the fee well short of what the club should be accepting but the calibre of the club is not what I would hope for either with players like Juranovic the club should be in a position to use them as an example of a player who transfers to a top 6 Premier League side or a top European team this better attracts other quality players to the club as they can see the possible future opportunities Juranovic was by far my favourite player last season with his performances during the derby and if he goes to Monza I think he needs to join Christie in the blender Uh, great work (laughs) Uh, Jenny, um, Alan, what's your kind of take on the whole thing? I like the idea of a more solemn blending. You know, <laughs> I think with Christy, we were, you know, everybody wanted a shot at holding the button. Whereas with Jura, I think there would be a single tear rolling down your cheek. You know how you that, held the that, that meme, that yeah, meme the meme with the, the guy boy, <laughs> he's got the gun, and just the picture of everyone crying as we're pressing the blend. Um, no, I think I think Kieran and um, the, the comments from Jenny are fairly fairly accurate to be honest um, it is underwhelming I think underwhelming for us in terms of the initial fee or initial structure of it with the loan with the then you know mandatory clause of around about 7 million euros um, or pounds whatever um, but I think probably fairly underwhelming for the player as well um, I, I'm not going to disparage Serie A you're going to a club that are what 16th at the moment Yeah. Um, I know they're up and coming that's you would imagine that's a fairly long term project. Yeah, is twenty seven or twenty eight soon. You know, he's just played in a World Cup semi final. You know, maybe top four England is ambitious, and I think when we seen Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, etc., we were a little bit surprised. But then we thought, you know what, fair play. I mean, it's a fair jump to go from that to to Monza. Um, no European football. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's underwhelming for everybody. I mean, we don't particularly... If, if they were paying €20 million, Euros, we wouldn't particularly care. But if a player is going to go for that fee, then you would hope that there's maybe the potential for significant add-ons. 
Now, if that does happen, Celtic will tell us about it. They'll tell us probably through Stephen McGowan. So you will see that, well, it's an initial fee. However, there's a potential of significant add-ons. I don't know how, you know, you'd have to be fairly ambitious add-ons at Monza, you know. Um, It's it's not great. It really isn't. Um, If we were getting, you know, prime money for him, I I would be less fussed. I'm probably, I understand Keenan's point about rather keeping him. I think if, if he wants to go, then I think I would rather the deal just gets done, whether it's a good deal or a bad deal. Yeah. I hope that there is the potential that this maybe flushes out other interest. Um, I know that there's been a lot of speculation about potentially there's a sell-on and that's why he's going. If there's a sell- if there's a clause for around about seven million pounds or euros, I think other clubs would definitely be interested because he is a player that a Premier League t- club would take a nibble at that, even if it was a, as a backup. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not great. I don't think we're getting anywhere near what we feel the value is, and we're losing a really really good player. I still think the position is the same, though. If he does want to go and he is very keen to go, then you, you let him go in this window and you move him on. You don't keep him around. Um, and I presume that he very much does want to go. Um, hopefully there's a bit more to this, maybe flushing out other interest. I'm always conscious that I think when Stephen McGowan reports on something that there tends to be a, a very significant Celtic slant on it. So, you know, potentially we are trying to, you know, motivate any other movement, but... I think it's well short of what we expected. And, uh, you know, I would agree about the valuation of fullbacks. It is, um, you know, you spent three and a half million on Alistair Johnson. We'll, you know, we'll talk about him and I imagine there's going to be a lot of discourse about him this week. But getting seven million for Janovic in the summer, and I don't particularly care whether we get the money now or in the summer, to be honest, that's neither here nor there. But I think that's way short of what you got. And I know that it's... a you know, you only signed him for two and a half million and he was a success here, but that's well short of what you would expect to get. Um, and I know you mentioned, you know, Christian Stevens' points about age. You know, that's fairly well established. But that's, that's still way short of that. Um, he is in his prime. That prime might be, you know, that window might only be a half, two years, but clubs will pay money for a player to be a top-level player for two years. So, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised, a little bit disappointed. And I think I'm keeping spot on, underwhelming for us, but certainly underwhelming for the player. It really is not... You can package it up as an ambitious move all you like, but that is a long-term project there at Monza. I don't know if you want to be the headline star at 27-28 of of that kind of move. Sorry to jump in, Alan, but what happens if he goes to Monza? um, It's a loan with a a, a deal and kind of in the... Embers or whatever. Um, he goes to Monza. They get I know the Embers. Jesus Christ! In the in the offing in the contract, there's a deal going to happen if everything goes well. Mandatory buyout. Mandatory buy clause. That's it. Uh, big Mandy Moore. Um, if he goes to, are, are if he, you okay, mate? <laughs> Is everything all right? I, I just can't get this sentence. Out. No. Let so the scenario happens. He goes to Monza in January. Monza get relegated. Does he just come back here? Like, it, like if, if he goes to Monza, he's not, he's not going to want to play in Serie B. And if Monza just turn around and say, uh, you know, like, it's not worked out, and he comes back here, and he's got, what, two or three years left in his deal here? It's it's all just a bit... If, this is, To your point you made, Alan, about, like, I, I would like there to be a decision made on his future, like, now. And I just get this fear that he goes to Monza, they get relegated, and then he's back here. Hi, guys. How's things? Which, you know, by the way, I wouldn't necessarily hate <laughs> come come June, but 
it, there's potential for messiness a little bit. Uh, I, I've got one more question from. They, they look in pretty good shape in terms of staying up. I think they're like nine clear of the relegation zone at the moment. I, I, you know, but you see, as one of those um, leagues where clubs can nosedive, and yeah, it's just. Yeah, uh, Neil McDonald McDonald uh, has uh, emailed in. All right, JJ's agent has had license to drum up interest since before the World Cup, um, where Juranovic did everything possible to draw interest. If the reporting to be is to be believed, the outcome of that is a mere seven million bid from some Italian no marks. I've seen Celtic's board criticised for this, but unless the club have rejected an unreported fifty million quid from Chelsea, Barca, Atletico, etc., then I'm I'm struggling to see what could or should have been done differently. Did buying Johnson make us vulnerable to low ball, clearly expecting to sell? If so, then why aren't other teams queuing up for the bargain? I don't see what more we could do other than hold our nerve and play Lowell Brinksmanship book. <laughs> so, assuming this move happens as reported, what did Celtic do wrong? It's a good question. Um, Kieran, what's your thoughts? I think it is just like you just reinforce that we are in a very strong position. He does have three and a half years left on his deal. Um, he, the guy's been professional, uh, maybe not his performance against Rangers, but in terms of how he's held himself in social media, he hasn't um, posted any tweets with a ticking clock or a sand timer, um, for instance. Um, he's you know he's been he's been pretty just stayed silent. Um, so you can't really say that's been a factor. Um, I, I, I do think it is something where you just say, we know that the market for a 27-year-old fullback based in Scotland, we're not going to get 20 million for him. But we after his performances, we can point to, you know, um, games against Rangers last season. You can point to um, his World Cup. You can point just his, like, his, his level of experience and the type of player he is because he is a very t- technically decent footballer who would absolutely thrive in most leagues. You just say, look, we're going to go 10, 10 million. I don't think it's unreasonable to just say that he's not going unless we get 10 million and the player has to respect that. I think if you just do that, I don't think you... I just feel a bit like we're just trying to rush him out the door because we've got Johnston and because we haven't... We didn't make a big sale in the summer. We're just trying to maybe recoup some some cash this window. Yeah, it's just a bit strange. I do think our negotiation haven't. Well, we've had some decent signings the last few windows, and negotiations haven't been always been great. Like when we bid like seven hundred thousand for Benabai, and they got laughed out the door, and then a week later we spent three point six million, which some may (laughs) argue might have been a bit over over the the limit. We'll wait and see. But I I, I feel, yeah, I, I do think we just undervalued him a bit, and we should have been a bit more confident in our own position with the player. Yeah, um, Alan, you're kind of taking that, like, what could Celtic have done more? Yeah, I don't think it's just... I don't think it's just necessarily Celtic. I don't think I'm... Certainly my own criticism it's not aimed necessarily at the board of the club. I think the market largely will dictate who is interested. Um so I don't think, but, and you have clearly tried to drum up interest when Atletico, Chelsea, etc. were named. You know, I think most people thought that's maybe just a step above, but there is a market well underneath that, and he is within the budget of most teams that would be in that market. Um, so I, I don't think it's necessarily critical of Celtic. I think where my questions would be, if you could ask any question and get an actual answer, it probably would be around the, what was agreed and what has been agreed with the player and the player's agent. 
there's a middle ground to be had between, you know, we had the situations where we didn't sell a number of players and we've talked about it so many times. Um, we had probably starting around about the time with Musa Dembele, then that kind of bled into Eduard Ayer, etc. There's a middle ground between that not selling at all at the right time and then, you know, selling very quickly. So this deal isn't, I, th- I think, it's reported it's, it's, it's not done. So I would hope there's something positive. Uh, but you would need to know the specifics of what was agreed between player, agent and club. Um, and I think we're just all a little bit surprised at the kind of the valuation of seven million. Um, that is quite a bit short of, I think, what people were hoping. I think the higher end was miles off of 20. don't think I've seen that at all. But I did think between 10 and 12 sounded a bit reasonable, given the player's contract situation, given his performances. Um, so I think it's legitimate to kind of query why you're not able to at least drum up interest in that, you know, in that market of 10 to 12. But that's agent as well as club. Another kind of odd uh, link for uh, a player who looks potentially to be on the move, uh, our good friend Georges Giacomakis, Um Japanese club Uriah Red Diamonds um, have reportedly been in negotiations with Celtic. They are owned by a uh, car company Mitsubishi, where well, they're, they're backed by them. Um, they finished 10th in the league, you know, not won the title for 17 years. Again, again, that sort of stuff doesn't really matter to us, right? But it's just, you know, Mitchelland was the club that was linked with them last year, um, last week, sorry. And then, you know, this uh, um, a, a Japanese team. It's, it's, it's just a bit surprising. This is a guy who scored 25 goals in 50-odd games for Celtic. He's got a really good goal-to-game ratio. Again, you can talk about his um, the fact that in the, the age... Uh, perspective which you know seems to be quite a a, a high um marker these days which is understandable there's been links this morning with Sampdoria uh, again i think that was a, a greek journalist highlighted that Sampdoria were quite interested um what do you make on this Kieran? I, I know that you're like that sign the fucking contract get him so far to fuck get this guy at the door come on away <laughs> and again i think it, it depends with it's, it's the same thing with Juranovic. like i i don't think I think Alan is right when he says with if JJ and GG want to leave, which it appears both of them do, then it's quite hard to you can't you know to grandstand and say I want seven million for Jack and Marcus, I want ten million for Juranovic when realistically seven million and five million are probably yeah. But like, are we even going to get five million for Jack and Marcus if it's just the Japanese club in it? Well, it's one of those it's one of those situations where I. Because you know we're nine points clear, and we all are very confident. But they they are players who can upward demonstrably add something. And you know, Jack Marcus has goals. Juranovic is a more technical option to the right backs we have there. Like I do think, if 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 the difference is a million, ultimately going to be a million or two, and if you just say to the players, look, the the you know Monza and. I, the side that finished tenth in the Japanese league, okay, maybe they can offer you more money, but are they really this, this, the you know the credibility of club that you want to go to? I think you can't. There is a way to pitch it to the to both players that stay it to the summer, and you're going to have more options. Um, whether you know they do want to make that move or not is 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 up to them. But I do think like 
if we do sign Cho and he, he comes, he might need a bedding in period because of all these different factors. But again, I guess this is just the risk of what you do when you're trying to be, we're trying to be that club who, if a player is unhappy, we just, or there's a good offer and we just move quickly. I think that's the transition we're trying to get to. As Alan's saying, I do think maybe we can have a bit more of a middle ground to the um, the complete risk aversion that was before, but that might just take practice. That would take time. It's not like you can just magically get brilliant at, <laughs> at transfers. Um, well, maybe you can. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's another thing that, again, it, it, it depends on whether we get Joe. Like if we don't get a striker in, in January, then God's sake, keep Giacomacchus. I think it just depends on on the out on you know whether we do. Like I I wouldn't be reluctant to let him go until Cho is presented to the crowd at half time like Awata was. I, I just I just I always get quite antsy about the idea that we let Jack and Marcus go and then we're trying to trying to squeeze an extra couple hundred thousand there on the Cho deal and then it breaks down twenty four hours before the deadline and. We just fail to get someone else in the door. That's Kevin Kevin Nisbet, of course. <laughs> don't you don't you worry about that. No. Um Alan, what's your take on on, on Giacomacus? Just I, I think Akira makes a good point. It really would be better to get Cho in before there's any movement. But even then, you and Sermani talked about it on the weekly. You know, Giacomacus is a someone who scores goals and has done in this league. Um there is a risk reward element that, you know, swapping these guys in Cho might hit the ground running of course but he might not and you know we are nine points clear is is this the time we make that sort of risky swap I think if you want to move forward I, 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 I do I think it is the time to upgrade and I think Gigi's position in my in my opinion is different from Juranovic's in that I think there's a real upgrade to be had on Gigi especially if the numbers are right. Um, I think he's a player who's been really successful and has been a good signing for us and hopefully will be a positive you know, net income for us. There is a risk that you lose a player who can score goals domestically, but we do need better options up front, I think. Kilgo's in great form just now, that's, that's brilliant. But I think when we're looking at next year, if we want to improve in Europe, I think we might need a better striker. And I probably would maybe even include Kyogo in that as well, and that we probably need someone who can impact the game a lot more. Um, and I, I don't think, I don't see that as me being critical of the players that are here. I just think it's if you want to move forward and develop and be better in Europe, which we all do, then we need better players in a number of positions. Um, some of them we don't, we've not even talked about. So is a little bit different for me. Um, and I'm probably, I was I was expecting Kieran to probably be happier to see him go. But, there is no putting Kieran Devlin into a corner. He <laughs> is very much his own man. Um, so I'll take up the mantle and say, yeah, I, I, I think a deal with Urawa probably seems quite a bit away. I'd imagine that's a fairly difficult and complex deal to do. Um, I think he's a player that I would be not happy to see go, but I would wish him very well. But I would like to see his pull the trigger on a replacement there. Um and, you know, I would be confident that whoever we bring in has the ability to make an impact over the next six months. We've got good options. You know, Kyogo is in good form just now, but he does have tendency to get, you know, niggly injuries. You know, you would be looking at Maeda would be next in line. So I don't think we would be in the position that we were last year where, you know, you're bringing Joey Dawson and to play in um, league games. We're a bit away from that. 
but I would like a replacement brought in. Um, and if there's, you know, there's a week between those deals happening, then so be it. But I think it's about trying to take a step back and actually say, how do we get better in Europe? And I think there's improvements needed all over the park and they are difficult decisions, but you've got to go with them. And um, whether they're the optimum deals for us in terms of market value, you know, we can discuss. I think Gigi is very, very different. I think if you got, you know, six million, seven million for Gigi, you'd be quite happy with that. If that deal turns out to be a little bit less, but you still get the money to bring in Cho, then, you know, that that's positive because he's been a success. He's scored plenty of goals. If he wants to go, as well. he wants to go and play football, I think. He wants to be a guaranteed starter somewhere every week, um, whether that's in Europe or, or further afield, then, you know, that's up to him. But I would be happy to, for us to make those upgrades and make them in January. Um, and I'd be really excited to see Cho come in. So if we can get that deal done and, and um, you know, move on and hopefully upgrade and then start thinking about other positions, you know, goalkeeper, wingers, etc., then all the better. Because the Champions League for next year, hopefully we'll make it automatically. They're very stiff competition. I'd be happy, you know, for us to have improvements in three or four positions than we did this year. Excellent point. Uh, we got a question from uh, David Edgar. Oh, David Edgar. Um, hi, would like to hear... Pan- familiar name. Sorry? It's a familiar name. It's a familiar name, isn't it, Alan? Um, could well be my brother. <laughs> or it could be Head of Rangers Supporters Association, David Edgar. But I'd like to clarify, it's not my brother. <laughs> Um, that would be a plot twist, though. Yeah, I absolutely love massive. <laughs> um, no, we, we, we don't have any of them. He's the third Edgar brother. He was shunned <laughs> as a child. He didn't develop properly, so we just stuck him in a cupboard. Stuck him <laughs> under the bed. Um, we'd like to hear panel's views on Celtic's transfer policy, as clubs seems to be circling um, on Maeda and other key players in the first team. I know all clubs now sell if the price is right in the club's interest, but as a fan of Maeda... I think he's just finding his best form at Celtic now and plenty more to come from him. Uh, his energy and hard work, in my opinion, is on the same parallels as King Henrik. Keep up the good work. Um, the, the link to Southampton, it's all very... There's not a he's lot. On a yeah, he's, on a he's on a list. Yeah, he's on a list and someone, you know, that. But um, now is not the time to sell Dyson Maeda when he is in cracking form, seems to be a lot happier than he was before the World Cup in, in terms of confidence within himself. Um, aye. Nothing in this, Keaton. No, no. And it's 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 not, it's not you know, Monza. <laughs> so yeah. that's the that's the plus. Um, and because, you know, I think uh, that is a that is a case where you could command decent money as, a, you know, you'd, if you don't get uh, 10 million plus for Maeda, you might as well pack up being, you know, the buy low, sell high strategy altogether. Um, because of his age range, because of his form, you know, he is, well, people disagree or not, he is the, you know, he is the our Japanese international rather than Hitate or Kyogo for we, well, many of us, including myself, have maybe some issues with that. But he is, you know, as you say, and he is really coming onto his own now like all the issues we had the start of this season at times last season about his first touch his 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 delivery he's made some you know it's a small sample size but like the, the, the past few weeks he's made massive improvements on that whether he sustains that over the rest of the season we'll wait and see but i just i just love watching him and i think he's so dangerous at that moment um but yeah i think it's just it's one of those things where it's nice to have the attention 
I'd be surprised if my editor wants to go, given Southampton, if they don't get relegated, there's something wild's going on. So um, a bit of a bit of a weird move for him, unless he's keen to be paid 50 grand a week or whatever. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's just positive that we have this, and I, I'm really excited by him at the moment. Um, you know how in The Simpsons when um, uh, Homer tries to get into the treehouse and it's the No Homers Club? Um, we should have that treehouse and have a No Southampton Club so they're just not allowed to come and see our players. Or just, not, just put a big No Southampton Club uh, outside Celtic Park. Don't give them tickets or anything. And problem solved, Alan, am I right? I'm all for that. Uh, a novel way of um, preventing them because obviously their games are never televised so they would have no way of seeing the player. So you're absolutely right. It's a foolproof plan. Yeah. Can you read the stuff about towards the end of that comment about King Henrik? Just a <sighs> yeah. I just I try to talk over it. I'll be honest with you. Um, what, was there a comparison made there, or was it? I think he's just finding his best form at Celtic now, and plenty more to come from him. His energy and hard work, in my opinion, is on the same parallel as King Henrik. Yeah. Energy yeah. and hard work. Yes, yeah. um, agreed. Yeah, we 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 bit to go. He probably works harder than Larson to be fair, but then Larson was um, world class. Uh, well, an incredible talent, so he probably didn't have to work that hard. Um, so no, that's fine. We'll we'll, we'll allow it. Um, right, let's kind of we we've got lots on the rundown. We're probably not going to be able to touch on all of it, but we will. <clears throat> what we don't touch on. Oh, Alan's got his hand up there. I'm just concerned that I've slaughtered Henrik Larson there, and off the back of um, <laughs> Celtic podcasts, um, you know, criticising their own players, I'd like to clarify that I do I enjoyed the body of work that Henrik Larson did at Celtic, and that I think he was good enough. He was just a lazy fucker. If you want to hear Alan's actual thoughts on Henrik Larson, not these ones, search for the Cynic Chronicles, uh, in which myself, Alan, and Barry uh, discuss Larson's last games for Celtic. And Alan almost sheds a che- it sheds a tear. He almost oh, love him, shows emotion. It's incredible. Oh, look, at think... look at this now. He's he's back. Look at this back headwind. <laughs> oh no, I love him actually. Yeah. Do you know what I genuinely see? When he's I good enough to holiday. play for Celtic. <laughs> Sorry. You know how occasionally you see people on Twitter and they're at the airport. And they fly somewhere, I don't know, wherever people fly, and like they meet someone on holiday, and they're like, oh my God, I met Simon Donnelly in Tenerife or something. I gen- Every time I go on holiday, I always think, like, I could be crossing the street, street in New York, and I always think, it'd be really good if you met Henrik Larson. You know? So, <laughs> so I've seen he was in Cape Verde recently, but I don't think I cope very well in Cape Verde. The heat, the golf, it's just not for me. So if Henrik wants to go somewhere a wee bit lower brow, and maybe a wee bit more kind of grim and cold, then... I'll definitely make arrangements to to fly there and then follow. So Henrik Henrik Larson, <laughs> if you are listening, Alan Edgar, I'd like has to stock ab- Henrik Larson. Um, I love the way you mentioned Simon Donnelly. Simon Donnelly lives on my sister's street. Like she sees him when she's dropping the kids off to go to school. Uh, like I'm probably not going to stock Simon Donnelly. To be honest, nah. it's not going to happen. Not going to act in a time man. I I could show you where he lives if you like. To be honest, but um, I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I. Me too. Um, just re- regarding Simon Donnelly. So um, we've got questions. Um, we, we've got talking points and stuff that we were kind of maybe want to talk about. But, you know, this has been such a high energy, fast uh, time has went that the stuff we don't talk about that's on our rundown currently, we'll probably talk about on Thursday. And therefore, if your question is related to those talking points, we will talk about them on Thursday. Um, so... If we don't mention your question now, don't worry. We'll we'll talk about it this week overall. Um, Celtic uh, two, Kamarnock nil at the weekend. 
Um, Jota and uh, Kyogo's movement led to an own goal, um, shall we say. Uh, Alan, you were at the game. I, I unfortunately was unable to go, um, but got the chance to do the reaction with uh, Graham and Eddie, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, what was your kind of thoughts on the game, Alan? Well, your absence was noted, which means, of course, you won't make the end of your trip to Alton Towers with the rest of the <laughs> stadium, um, which is upsetting, but you have to have a perfect attendance record to make that trip. Um, Who are you talking to, pal? <laughs> You're not going either. <laughs> um, yeah, but first half was grim. Like, it's just really, really shite game of football, to be honest. Um, hard watch, very little created, no ambition from the away team, but that's not, you know, uncommon. Um, slight worrying tendency now that teams are willing to sacrifice a player to just mark Callum McGregor and take no part in the game, which really did work for 50-odd minutes. Um that then means other players have to step up. And I think Kieran kind of talked about that at the start. There is a need there for other players to fill that void and it will be the centre-halves. Um, but then we do get a goal. Um, obviously, as well worked, I think Maida was really bright in the first half. Um, and it's the one pass of probably Bernabe's actually come off and Maida's movement's really good. Um, and then we get a wee bit of a kind of luck with the goal. Second half is entirely different. I thought we did. We opened up, we played some really nice football. Um, created a, a, a flurry of chances that were kind of almost comical in the end. Yeah. The second goal was really good though. And I think that's the real moment I call in the game. That is the archetypal Kyogo goal. It is Kyogo 101. Um, just waits and waits to make his move and the pass then to put him in is just perfect as well. Um, he's just quicker in thought and quicker in speed. And it was really good. A really nice goal. And we should have won quite comfortably in the end. Um, but yeah, disappointing first half, not a great game of football, but you were richly rewarded in the second with some really nice play. Even the subs coming on had a real impact on the game and there were some encouraging signs from some players that have been talked about a lot. So yeah, good day's work overall, but certainly not a classic. Um, but we are going to have to improve, I think, in order to try and break the impasse a little bit. And you're going to have to get used to, to teams, I think, specifically at Celtic Park, coming and just parking a player on Callum McGregor and saying, I don't care what else you do in the game, just make sure he doesn't pick up the ball. Um, and that, that is that is kind of game plan one for a lot of teams. So, yeah, it's, that is what it is. And it's not entertaining fair at times, but, you know, you've got to improve and work around it. And we did. And in the end, it was a, a comfortable win that probably should have been four or five. Um, we had a question uh, uh, just before the reaction recorded, uh, which we kind of touched on, um, from Tommy in air, and it was around about the Callum McGregor um, kind of question. Uh, Christian's going to talk about, Christian and Graham are going to talk about that on the review, so that'll be available on Tuesday. They're going to go into a bit of detail on that. Um, Kieran, yourself, how did you feel um, with the game overall? Uh, yeah, the first half was maybe, it was one of the worst halves we played under Ange, I think. Um and as Alan's saying, like when McGregor is marked, that's when you need... Is the, is the centre-backs not really coming out with the ball and not trying to be ambitious with the passing, but it was the full-backs as well. Um, I thought both full-backs were atrocious in the first half, to be honest. <laughs> now, you can make the point that they're still very early in their Celtic career, especially Johnston. Bernabé is also very young. It was concerning for me um, that how much they struggled at the inverted stuff. Um, I think they were both a bit better in the second half, but 
it was just when when McGregor is getting man marked, that's when you want somebody like Taylor Uranovic historically have started dictating the play. They've been that playmaker, and. I think there's still a lot of questions over Bernabeu and Johnston whether they can do that. Now, you can make a very valid point. Again, very early in their Celtic careers, Johnston's still learning the system. But I, I've got, I've got, and he, I would say Johnston looks decent defensively. Look, he looks quite solid, quite functional. Um, but I have worries about him in possession, but uh, because that's such an important role. Um, so, but you know, he was better in the, the second half, and he he works he works very very hard. And I think that's something he's going to get a lot of uh, supporters for. Now, um, the, the second half, you know, we were a lot better, but I think that was just, that's just Rio Hotate, man. Like, he just he just switched it on and he was, uh, you know, by some distance, head and shoulders above everyone else on the pitch for like the 12th, 13th time this season he's done that. Despite, you know, I'm starting to think maybe he is good enough. Um, <laughs> like, he's, just, he's, just, he's just a... When we when crossing isn't coming off, I know no we 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 did we Amaya's cross came off, but when it's not really doing much creativity and there's not a whole lot else coming through the middle, when McGregor's getting marked, the centre backs aren't really helping with the possession. He can just he can just do something that creates a chance through the middle of the park. He just is. We don't have another player who can do that in central positions. You know, we can talk about like Jota's Jota's um, creativity out wide. We can talk maybe about. Abada and Maeda's directness, but only even O'Reilly, because he has to drift out wide generally, he's not somebody who can just, you know, dribble th- through a defence, exchange like a clever one-two at the edge of the box. That's not really his game. Oh, I just love watching Atati. I thought he was exceptional in this, especially in the second half. Uh, he just dragged us single-handedly. Um, so I think it was a good game for for him. You know, I thought as I th- that Maeda did well as well. Um, I wasn't. It wasn't a game full of like, you know, star performers or anything. But I think those two did did really well, and we we did. I think we have to. We can take encouragement from how much we rallied and changed in the second half. You know, we can speculate about what Anne said at half time, whether that was that or whether it was just the goal helped us get our foot in a bit more, and we did play with a bit more purpose. Um, maybe You could also say maybe Bernabeu and Johnston grew into the game and were a bit more confident um, and a bit less safe. Um, but yeah, so I think there's 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 lessons to be learned. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a couple of changes for the Hamden game because we know Kamarnik are going to set up in the exact same way. So a bit more creative players in midfield and, uh, you know, even in defence, even if it is just like Juranovic gets one last goal if Taylor isn't fit or you give Kobayashi, Kobayashi a start instead of Starfelt or something. I do feel we just need a different dynamic there. We can't. Ju- I think something has to change because our playing out was just dreadful again as it was against Rangers. Um, just on Hatati, uh, just pure brilliant. Just heavy brilliant to watch. Um, there are players that... He just there was times in that game against Kamarnik where he just took the game by the scruff of the neck and just made something happen and then um, drop of the shoulder just really silk heavy silky and I'm, I'm, it's like I'm fourteen again uh, pure heavy silky man um, but no I mean Hatati um, I know I'm obviously we're joking about um, the kind of comments on Twitter and stuff but he's just he's just an exceptional footballer at points and I I just I I adore watching him um, what was your kind of thoughts on the fullbacks Alan. Um, Keenan's made uh, kind of clear points. What's your points on? Yeah, I think there's a couple of points. I think, firstly, I thought Bernabeu was really poor in the game. 
overall. Um, his execution wasn't there. Um, he, it was actually quite reminiscent of Juranovic's performance against Rangers in that everything, the harder he tried, it seemed the worse it got. And that's, uh, you end up, you have, sometimes you have a little bit of sympathy, I think, when players do that. Um, there's a, I think there's a real willingness for people to want Burnaby to do well. I'm probably a little bit different. I would stick with them this week because I think when you have a game like that, I mean, if JJ does go, whether it's this week, next week, summer, Burnaby is a player that you're going to have to start looking at and making decisions on. And a run of games is important. If he, if you're not confident enough with him to play against Kilmarnock, whether it's Hamden. Celtic Park, Rugby Park, then you're probably at that decision point. Um, so I'd like to see him get a run and I would stick with him. Um, I have seen him play better than that. That's probably, that and Tyne Castle are probably his worst kind of moments. Yeah. Um, there's been flashes of positive things, but it is very much in flashes. Um, so I'd stick with him. Um, I thought Johnson, I think, a little bit different. Um, I thought he was, I think he flowed with the team in that first half he was you know, average, and then in the second half he was positive. You know, his his commitment, energy, drive, etc., are not in question, and it's just then about his quality and his um, how his deftness of touch. Um, but I've been I have been quite encouraged by him. Um, he is very very different to Juranovic, but I think we've noticed with our fullbacks that the adjustment to playing inverted takes time. Um, it took a lot of time, I think, for Taylor. Juranovic was a little bit quicker. Um, to that adjustment so I'd certainly give Johnson time with it and I would probably stick with them both for this weekend um, I, the only maybe area that I differ from Keaton is about that change for the weekend if, you, if you're if you bringing Kobayashi in or you want to make changes that that's fine I think there will be rotation week on week I think I would put more I, I think it's about execution so in the first half we weren't great Command sat very deep I think you need to demand more out of players um, I think you know I think O'Reilly for Moy, it feels like we always just want to see whoever's not on the team play. And I think there's a slight, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think there has to be a realisation that the players that start and finish are interchangeable, but execution has to be there. And I think injecting energy into the team, I think that does come from deeper in the park, you know, centre midfielders and then defenders. I think there has to be an urgency. And Saturday was, the first half was a little bit reminiscent to me of, I forget who the, was it a cup game against Wraith Rovers where I wouldn't have been surprised to see some sort of viral clip from the stands of Ange being really annoyed because too many occasions we were just safe passing and not quick enough, not trying to move them quickly and actually make the job of man-marking players really, really difficult. It's a tactic we've seen so many times before, but we did just seem to be waiting for something to fall in the net, which it did, and that's fine. I'd like to see more energy and urgency in the way we pass the ball, start getting it down to minimum two touch and then start going from there. Because, I mean, Carter Vickers and Staffel are more than capable of taking a touch and moving it on quickly, but they do have a tendency to slow it down and then that then feeds right through the team. So I would I would put a lot of, whoever Ange picks on Saturday, whether he makes the changes, whether he doesn't, I would put a lot of stock into actually trying to move it a little bit quicker and players off the ball working harder to get into the positions that they should be you know the fullbacks coming inside quicker so that O'Reilly Moy whoever can go out wide and get the ball quicker make Kilmarnock make decisions on a very on a faster basis and then you'll get more mistakes from that and then you can start going play I think that's what I would put more stock into as opposed to who starts because there might be changes there usually is 
but it's about execution for the guys that start and actually trying to play with a bit more purpose. I think that's what I would like to see. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's probably what Ange focuses on because all these players are good enough in this fixture, but they need to work a little bit harder to in, on the ball and off the ball to get into those kind of key areas quicker. And I think that's what really jumped out from the first half on, um, on Saturday for me. Uh, a, a question from CJ Kieran I want to bring you in first uh, morning team question for the agenda there's been a bit of chat about how good CC, CCV is and saw something this weekend saying he's now surpassed what Virgil van Dijk did at Celtic what's your thoughts cheers uh, CJ um, Kieran is essentially when it comes to the defence is it CCV plus one for you is, is CCV the kind of the rock that you build your defence on, or is he someone that you feel could be entertained as well? Yeah, I think he's. I think he is our best centre back, and I think Ange believes that as well. I think it's very obvious. He, whenever rotation has happened, it has, you know, as we had mentioned earlier, it's not. It's been minimal, but when it has happened, CCV has been the guy has been your, your stick on, and I think that's fair. I, I do think. Um, I do like Starfield. I mentioned earlier, I think he's a really decent 18-yard box defender. Didn't have a great game against Rangers, but then again, I don't think any of the back five really did, apart apart from um, CCV off the ball. Um, yeah, I, I think we've mentioned it. Like, are they, I think the difference with, if we're going to get into the nitty-gritty, Van Dijk was really good on the ball, and I think that's where he has a pretty big advantage over over CCV. Um, I think with CCV, I, I, yeah, he's a, he's a very... Good centre back, and I'm glad glad we have him. Um, I, I don't know what, what would it mean to be like overtake Van Dyke, because um, Van Dyke was just so clearly the best player in Scotland when he was when he was here, like just by by distance. And you maybe you could you could say that maybe he was a bit complacent at times because he was so good. Where I think CCV by and large is consistent, and he is very he's a very focused, he's a consummate professional. I think that's maybe where you could say, I think Van Dyke is comfortably the better player, but I think you could say that CCV in terms of his attitude and application is maybe is, is better than Van Dyke. And I think that translates well and more in terms of how fans appreciate them because fans could get frustrated when Van Dyke is exceptional for five games in a row and then, you know, just a bit half-arsed because he's looking already looking at his move down south or whatever have you, whereas CCV is very, very focused. Yeah, hey, Alan? Yeah, I think the the point about his concentration and his application is really important because his consistency level is really top notch. And I think it's about he could be a player that we see here for maybe two, three years and really makes he could be better at Celtic than Van Dyke was at Celtic. Whether he goes on and has the kind of career Van Dyke, I mean that would be, you know, I would imagine unlikely. But at us he is he is a really top player and I think that application, it, it looks to me like if he wanted to stay here a long time, he could be the kind of player that, you know, in a couple of years you look at and say he's potentially a captain. Um, because I do, I think the qualities he shows on the park at a young age are really, really, just something about him. Um, so I'm really impressed by him, delighted with him. And I, I probably would say as definitely him plus one. Um, if you could get a left foot to centre back in beside him, um, then I think it would be a really good partnership. Um, and hopefully he grows and continues to flourish. I also think that the club have a big opportunity to make money on him, not by selling him, but by maybe during the summer, winter break, Celtic store, the CCB experience. <laughs> you rock up, you go dressed for like five a sides, you pay 150 quid 
and CCB just chucks you about for you know thirty seconds, tackles you, takes the ball off you, puts up the park, just throws you about basically. You know, I think that's I'd pay that. I'd probably just pay it and then go to the end of the queue again, join back in again. <laughs> I love it when I he goes one-on-one with a player and yeah. he just bullies him off the ball and then he just plays a simple pass and it's as if he's not bothered. You never see big reactions from him or anything. It's always just, uh, I brushed it. I mean, the one with Ibrox last week was just, I mean, if you could recreate that in a wee area on a bit of AstroTurf outside on the Celtic Way, although there's money to be made there, you would never need to sell. There was a there was a, a moment on Saturday against Kamarnock where the Kamarnock forward was coming at him and he just held him off yeah. with ease he turned and passed the ball and he looked at him as if to say, you're wasting my time. <laughs> and I just, I it's loved great, it. It was just, it was just really gallus, man. It was, it was 150 quid, mate, and that could be, that could be you. Uh, okay, Alan, send an email to Celtic, I guess. I, I I'll don't phone, know. I'll phone them after. Aye, give them a wee phone. I'll probably, uh, probably block my number after. I may get my season ticket cancelled. Um, is there any, <laughs> uh, not to look too deep into it because, you know, we're, is there anything to be worried about with the, you know, the, the performance at, at Ibrox wasn't very good and the first half against Kilmarnock wasn't very good. We did pick it up. Um, is there anything to be worried about? Should we be looking or, or is this just a case of kind of, you know, shaking off the kind of cobwebs a little bit? Kieran? Uh, for me, it depends when Taylor's back. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the moment Taylor goes off against Rangers, our control in the middle just completely falls apart. Because he is, as I mentioned it before, like the fullbacks are so, so important to this system. And, you know, we talked about JJ really struggled, whereas Taylor's so consistent in that role. He is basically the second Callum McGregor. And when McGregor is getting marked out of the game, Taylor's somebody who can really dictate the tempo. I, th- I think I, I think we'd be a lot more assured when Taylor comes back. And I think maybe it, having jo- Taylor back would allow Johnston more time to to get used to the system, maybe become more confident in his passing because he's not, at, you know, it is, I think that's the big thing for me. I do think it doesn't excuse how shite the centre-backs have been on the ball, how Hearts have been really struggling on the ball. Um, but I do, I, and I think, as Alan says, execute, it isn't just about having Taylor back. There is an execution problem that we need to address, address and hopefully we've got a full week of training before the Hamden game. I'd be surprised if Ange isn't doesn't want to focus the focus is in training this week, as Alan alluded to earlier. Um, but I do think Taylor is a massive miss at the moment. I think it's going to maybe a bit under the radar, just because you don't normally think his fullbacks as being massive misses. But I really, I really do think he's become so important to this team now. It's almost almost at a level of Hatati and McGregor for me. But Kieran, your point I I agree with, and I think you know a lot of people have kind of discussed that. Um, but Alan, is that is that a worry? The fact that we're so reliant on one player to, you know, like when Callum McGregor wasn't in the team, we coped. Now Callum McGregor in the team is far better than Callum McGregor out of the team, but we still coped. Whereas if you know it plays out the way that you know Taylor is so important. Like how 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 much would you be worried about about that? I think, see, when you play really poorly at Ibrox, I think you always think, right, okay, that is the closest we will get to playing against European level opposition. So I think it does then go to the heart of, and I think people probably do think about this a lot. How good are the team when you play a run of fixtures between now and March? Will hopefully put us into a 
position where we think this team, right, okay, this team is it. Then in March, we'll come up against Rangers again. Then we'll face them again. And then it's Europe next year. And those are the games where you really answer the question, where does this team sit? So I think it's natural. I probably would expect to see big improvements. Um, and I think I think Taylor's a miss. But I think you should be able to handle that, whether it's Burnaby, whether it's an alternative. You, Ange has shown that he can work without pretty much any player on the team. And I would expect that to continue, um, even with Taylor being out two or three weeks. But yeah, of course, it's a worry. It's, it's natural. I think it goes to the heart of how good are the team? How good are we going to be when Europe rolls around next year? And I think that then does get into a slightly deeper discussion about this team and what improvements is needed. We've talked about full-back, we've talked about centre-forward. I think there's a I think there's a discussion about goalkeeper. I think we're, we're certainly there. Um, I think probably, I would imagine most people are there. Uh, maybe I'm just making an assumption, but I think Europe this season probably cemented that we probably need to go into the market for a goalkeeper. Um, and I think then when you do that, then you can start thinking about kicking the team up to the next level and having improvements so that you can do pretty much everything, you know, the manager wants us to do. So, yeah, it's, it's natural, it's, it's a worry, but I think it's all in context. I wouldn't say I'm any more worried than I was three weeks ago. Um, great questions that we've had. Um, as I say, the reaction to Celtic to Kamarok Nell is in your feed, your RSS feed, it's on the app and it's on the website. Um, but let's go to the court report. <laughs> Celtic B continued their strong run of form in recent weeks, making it three wins from three as they defeated Oakland Goldburn Hill. The boys travelled to Broadwood Stadium on Saturday afternoon full of confidence off the back of good showings against Rangers B and civil service strollers in recent weeks. Celtic were looking to continue their push for top spot, facing off against the recently taken over Lone League side, who could have proved another potentially tricky test. Darren Dane's team managed made one change from the opening victory of the year against civil service strollers. Goalkeeper Josh Clark stepped in to replace Toby Oloiemi. Open Goldbroom Hill had put out a decent side of their own, which included former SPFL players such as Kirk Broadfoot and Gary Fraser, as they aimed to get back to winning ways after a draw against East Kilbride. The young Celtics made a fast start in the game as they looked to control early on. Ewan Otto sent a dangerous cross into the box, but Joey Dawson just couldn't finish off the opportunity in the opening few minutes. However, the Englishman was in no mood to pass up his next opportunity as he continued his fine run of goal-scoring form. Giving the hoops the lead just before the half-hour mark, Dawson turned home a curving ball into the box by Adam Brooks. Just two minutes later and Brooks was involved in front of the goal once again, this time scoring Celtic's second of the game. After some good work by Ben Quinn the left, the ball fell onto the path of Brooks, who made no mistake in a tight area. Celtic managed to grab a third just before the break as Joey Dawson scored his third brace in as many games to send the boys on their way to three points. Much like the opening goal, the 19-year-old was on hand to turn home at Adam Brooks' cross into the box at the back post, with the half-time whistle approaching. After a busy half of action which included three goals for the boys in the second 45 minutes, brought less goalmouth action with the Celtic coaches able to make some changes to the side. However, the young side remained dominant in the ball and managed to see out the 3-0 victory, making it two clean sheets on the bounce. The Celtic forwards are likely to be delighted with their recent goal story in return, with Dawson scoring six in his last three and Brooks two and two. They remain one point off top spot in the Lone League, holding a significant goal difference advantage over Spartans, as well as having two games in hand. Next up for the hoops is the visit of Galafieri Dean Rovers on Saturday afternoon at the Excelsior Stadium as they aim to maintain their strong start to 2023. Great stuff from uh, Lewis Laird. As always, Lewis Laird 01 on Twitter. The man is doing incredible work. Check him out. Um, 
couple of questions to kind of finish us off uh, for this week's agenda. Um, question number one comes from Simon. Hi, guys. And this is an interesting one. Can you stop following me down this, down this street when I'm taking the kids to school? <laughs> That's funny, Alan. That's good. That's good. That's Thank a callback. Good callback. Call um, <laughs> this, this, this is an interesting one. Hi, guys. I was once, I was looking at the squad and the turnover we've had since Ange came in. Of the surviving players uh, from before when Ange arrived, Bain, Ralston, Welsh, McGregor, Forrest, Turnbull and Johnston, who do you think will be the last man standing at the club? I'll repeat those. Bain, Ralston, Welsh, McGregor, Forrest, Turnbull, and Mickey Johnson, who's currently on loan. Who do you think will be the last man standing at the club? That's a good question, um, Simon. Um, Kieran, what's your thoughts? I think it depends how long. I think McGregor could keep. I think McGregor's happy to stay at Celtic his entire career, and you know he turns thirty next year. How long is he going to stay at the top of his game? Maybe he can get a few more years of him still at his best, and then you'll have him, as maybe like we did with Brown, we're a bit more of a rotation option um, a few years after that. I think someone like Ralston is probably happy, to, as a massive fan, is maybe happy to um, be at Celtic his entire career. I guess, that, again, that comes down to game time, whether we'd be happy with the game time he has at the moment or whether he'd maybe if that declines or he gets more I guess it's, it's, there's a lot of context dependent and I think Taylor looks somebody who's very happy as well so I think between those three I reckon I, 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 this is really, I, I'm just going to say McGregor I reckon McGregor is going to be here for, for a while or maybe Taylor Ralston want a new challenge at some stage or whatever whereas McGregor I can stay here you know I can see being here until he's 35, 36 uh, Alan yourself? Yeah probably would for similar reasons to I'd probably say McGregor because I think he's I think we've seen off probably the last window for him moving down south to you know a good English side and I think the others probably over the course of time will fancy the hand at doing that given their ages um, so yeah, McGregor for me. I can see him. I can see him being here. He's thirty three, thirty four. I'm not sure he'll do a Scott Brown and play. He's quite thirty five, thirty six at Celtic, but hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, you're both incorrect. The correct answer is Scott Bain. Scotty I knew Bain. You were say that. I knew you were say Scotty, that. Scotty Bain. <laughs> I knew you were going to see that. That's so. I, 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 Fuck I, 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 up, Alan. Everyone hates yeah. you. Everyone talks yeah. about <laughs> behind your back. So. Yeah. Is this is this because I mocked you earlier for not being able to spit that question out? That's because you hate Henrik Larson. Ah, exactly. Oh, yeah, Thank yeah, you, yeah. Kieran. Thank you. Yes, you, you despise <laughs> him. You, Get think, him. <laughs> you think he's lazy and rubbish. Disgraceful. Um, the final question will, again, I have to say all the questions have been really, really good. Thanks to everyone who um, um, took the time to messages. And as I say, we've got a couple that we'll, we will use on Thursday for the Cynic Weekly. There'll be a segment there that will cover those questions. So thank you very much. The final question is from Alistair Brown. Um, after three December signings, we haven't signed any players since Peter Lowell returned on the 1st of January. And then he says, just saying, just a bit of fun. Just a bit of fun, Alan. Cheer up, for fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to go from being a Henrik Larson hater to actually saying Peter Lowell's really done some great work at Celtic <laughs> so can we just show that respect please a bit of respect um, seriously though uh, what are you hoping for 
for the remainder of the transfer transfer window. Um, this month we will have a transfer committee podcast. It's the OG podcast uh, crew with uh, Ian Duggan, uh, Chris Bowd, and myself and Christian. So we'll be kind of breaking everything down. But you guys, we've brought in obviously a centre half. We've brought in a, a full back and uh, we've brought in a central midfielder, defensive midfielder. You know, if you be as selfish as you want to be, and we'll obviously we have the summer window as well. But what would you like to see, Kieran? We'll start with yourself. Um, I think I'd really want a keeper, but I think that's probably one for the summer. I'd be surprised if we were to make a move in January, and I think maybe the nine point cushion could offset the urgency of bringing a new keeper. As much as it would be good to get one in ready for the Champions League and get some game time and stuff. Um, and that, selfishly, I know we got in the water, but I still really want a, a, a like a a number eight who raises the level of the starting eleven. You know, maybe you can make you as we ex, we would expect Iwata, you know, to be that number six and McGregor pushes forward with Hitati, and you know that's that's you know that's good. But I just feel for the the pool, somebody, you know, it just looks like it's not panning out for Turnbull at the moment, and. We, we've talked about it before, but we were short of quality in the Champions League. So if we're thinking about players throughout the spine of the team that raises the level, um, I do think a really good number eight could be a, a difference maker. You know, maybe maybe Iwata can do that with McGregor further forward, but it remains to be seen. But I would like a number eight. And obviously the big one is uh, a striker. Like I, I think I think that's the most, that's the, the one... That's the number one priority for me. It looks like the number one priority for the club. I imagine it's the priority for all of us. Um, but some, as Alan said, Ella, somebody who is a more rounded option than Kyogo and Gigi, who and as well who can finish chances in big moments, but can also do a lot more off the ball and a lot more dropping deep, drifting wide, contribute a bit more to the team. Because we talked about before, Kyogo and Gigi are poachers, both of them. I think they're a lot more similar than their build <laughs> suggests um, so I think yeah I think even you know even if we keep Gigi I'd still like to sign a striker I think just to bed him in because he will be so important in the Champions League and hopefully it's Joe because he looks class and he's very handsome as I've uh, mentioned before yes absolutely uh, Alan yourself yeah I'll keep it brief striker Cho please um, I think a goalkeeper as well, I would like to see that. If you know, if it's a wish list, then let's go for it. And I, then I think it would be a case of trying to get some out the door. But I think there's a lot of players sitting there. Um, I'd also like us to just throw money about frivolously as well, just to piss Michael Beal off. Because, like, you might want to get him on this pod soon. He does a lot of talking about Celtic. He seems to have a lot of opinions. It would be nice just to really. Well, yeah, Alan, money about, so. yeah, we'll be talking about that with Sermani on Thursday. Uh, Michael Beal and uh, um, but yeah, no goalkeeper, there. goalkeeper, striker, and then maybe look at some creative players out the door. You know, um, you've got so many players that don't play. But then after, you know, Keenan's mentioned guys at like Turnbull. There's, there's potentially you know money to be made there. There's game time for players, so you could be creative. Try and bring some money in, and then see if you can maybe then upgrade in that number eight area as well. You know, incremental upgrades all over, please. Is what I'm asking for. Excellent, yeah, good point, good point to finish. I thought you were going to come away with some snarky we are so point, but no, that's a good point. So good, good for you, Alan. Yeah, that's what we call maturity. You've grown, 
Uh, uh, we'll get this finished, then we'll beat down the Galgate for a wee scrap of the two ish once the ring goes off. <laughs> I can, You're paying uh, 150 quid for the, uh, <laughs> the pleasure. Nah, well. that's, that's CCB experience, mate. For Chris Gallagher, I would expect him to be paid for that appearance. Um, I'd like to point out as well that Kieran said it was nice and sunny it's to start, boring. and I agreed. It's it's absolutely pissing down. Wow. Yeah, you'll get that in about an hour, Kieran. So uh, yeah. make the most of your post agenda work. Uh, this has been an absolute joy. The first uh, agenda of 2023. Um, again, thanks for all your correspondence. It's been great. Lots of coming up this week on the Cynic. Um, Alan Edgar, pleasure as always, sir. Even with all the bit of fun, it's just all a bit of fun. You're a lovely guy. I uh, loved it. Good fun. Everybody have a good week, and we'll see each other on Saturday. Absolutely, Kieran Devlin. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Pleasure is all mine, Chris. It's been terrific being back. Great stuff. From Alan Edgar, from Kieran Devlin, my name is Christopher Gallagher. This has been The Agenda, and we'll speak to you down the road.